Well, amen. I hope you know that you're on the winning side this morning, that you have Jesus Christ as your Savior. So thankful for the great victory that He won for us over sin and over death when He died on the cross for our sin. And we celebrate that today as we celebrate our risen Savior. And we want to welcome all of you here this morning. So glad that you're here with us today at Arise Baptist Church. And as you can see as you're coming in, a lot of work's been done this past week on the nursery. Thank you for giving last Sunday. We had a wonderful offering and many pledged to give. And we were able to have enough to get started. So we still have a ways to go. I think we had about $15,000 given last Sunday towards our building project. Praise the Lord for that. And uh, we were able to get started on the nursery this week, and we're going to hopefully have that mostly or all the way completed, I hope, by next Sunday for our friend day. Looking forward to that. hope you can pick up some invitations to that. That'll be next Sunday morning. Looking forward to a special time. Men, don't forget, this Saturday, 5 o'clock, we're having our barbecue. Brother Larry is excited about that, and I'm excited about that. And we're going to have a great time. And Brother Farrell is going to be with us, a wonderful friend of mine, who will be preaching to the men this coming Saturday at 5. Men, you don't want to miss it. Bring somebody else with you. It will be a wonderful time. And next Sunday morning, we'll have some fun things for the boys and girls after the service. We'll have some food for all of us to enjoy after the service. So this is a great opportunity to bring somebody with you, bring a friend. And I hope you have a friend. If you don't have a friend, I'll be your friend. But I'm coming anyway, so you're going to have to make a new friend this week and bring them as well with you. I, there's invitations back here in the, back in the fellowship hall, so grab some of those and bring those. So glad to be back. We made a big trip this week. My wife and I and several others from the church went out to a conference this week, and we're greatly encouraged in God's Word, greatly encouraged with spiritual Christian fellowship, Excited to be back here with you today and excited about what the Lord has for us today. Well, I'm so thankful for what the Lord is doing. This week was a wonderful week. Um, I was encouraged to hear uh, folks out sharing the gospel this week. I know many of you were in the class last Sunday night with Brother Brad. Many of you came forward last Sunday morning as God challenged your heart about the need to share the gospel in our community and I want to encourage you, sharing the gospel can be a challenging thing. I don't think it ever gets to where you just feel totally comfortable and at ease because it's a confrontational type of thing as people are having to be confronted about their sin and about their need of a Savior. But I'm so thankful that we have the truth. And uh, if you can, I hope you'll be back this evening. Uh, Brother Brad's going to continue his class. It's, it's going to just go for the next few weeks. So if you can get in on it, be in on it. Brother Ed's going to continue his class, and I'll be uh, doing my class as well. As we continue to study God's Word together, and then use it not just to know it in our head, but to use it to live the life that God would have us to live. Uh, knowing God's Word in your head doesn't do you a whole lot of good. Uh, the Bible tells us in Joshua 1.8 that it, the Bible says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein, Day and night, that's all the head part, right? That thou mayest observe to do, to do all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. It's when we take God's word, we learn it. We do need to learn it. We live in a day and age where many people don't know what the Bible says about much of anything. 
You say, what does the Bible say? Well, I know you're not supposed to judge, and I know, you're, and I know that the love of money is the root of evil. Or more often people say just money is the root of evil. But they're wrong on that. The Bible says the love of money. But we need to know God's Word, and then we need to obey it. We need to live it. Well, I'm thankful for, again, I said earlier, all that gave last Sunday. I was really encouraged. Brother Josh was sharing this with me. He had encouraged our children to be a part of giving and uh, being a part of helping to do some of the remodeling projects that we wanted to do. And they have a thermometer up on the wall in the junior church room. And uh, I guess maybe we might have to work on one. I don't know. But uh, they had a goal to, to raise $300 in the junior church for the whole summer. And yes, last Sunday, they had, what, $89 that came in last Sunday. So I was impressed. I realized where the real money is in our church. And uh, you saw the video, dads have problems hanging on to their money, I guess. We know where it is. The boys and girls have it, thankful for them and their giving. We're going to take a moment and have some scripture reading this morning. Freddie's going to come and read to us from John chapter 18. We're moving forward in our study in the book of John. And in John chapter 18, we looked at it, it's been a couple weeks ago now, Brother Brad preached last Sunday and really encouraged our hearts about the need of sharing the gospel and two Sundays ago, we looked at Jesus as he's betrayed there in the garden. And as Jesus took the cup of wrath for us. And uh, this morning, we're going to look at a man that was alongside Jesus for much of his time. But he's a man that many times we like to point at and say, look at all of his faults and all of his failures. But I think this man is a lot like us. His name is Peter. And uh, Freddie's going to read to us from a couple of uh, different verses there in John chapter 18 about Peter and some of his failures. But as we look at the life of Peter this morning, we'll see a man that failed a lot. But I think we'll also see a very powerful Savior who did a great work in Peter's life and can do a great work in your life and in my life as well if we'll be faithful to him and serve him. But Freddie, you come and read to us from God's Word. And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. That disciple was known unto the high priest, and went in with Jesus into the palace of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door without. Then went out that other disciple, which was known unto the high priest, and spake unto her that kept the door, and brought in Peter. Then said the damsel that kept the door unto Peter, Art not thou also one of this man's disciples? He said, I am not. And the servants and officers stood there, who had made a fire of coals, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves. And Peter stood with them and warmed himself. And Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. They said therefore unto him, Art not thou also one of his disciples? He denied it, and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, being his kinsman, whose ear Peter cut off, said, did not I see thee in the garden with him? Amen. All right, our boys and girls are going to be dismissed out to junior church now. Let's take our Bibles this morning, if you're in here with me, and let's turn back to the book of John. Some good questions there for us to think about. Instead of jumping right to John 18, I want you to go back to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. You know, I think if you asked a lot of people, hey, 
What character in the Bible do you identify with? Some people might say, Peter. I'm a lot like Peter. Peter had a propensity for speaking first and thinking later. Peter had a propensity for making bold claims and then not always following through on what he said. Peter, I think, is one of the most incredible characters in the Bible, and we learn so much about him. We see a man who was a businessman in, in some respects. He owned a fishing business. He had other men that worked with him. They caught fish and they sold those fish and that's how they made a living. And God took this man who was obviously a hard-working man, a man who knew what it was to stay up all night fishing, and God took him from just catching fish and he made him, as Jesus said, into a fisher of men. But this was a big process, a big change that took place in Peter's life. And I want to challenge us and encourage us this morning from God's Word, and specifically how God worked in the life of Peter. I think Peter has a tremendous testimony of a man who God took from a very unlikely place and used him to put him in a very wonderful place of ministry. You know, that's what a testimony is. A testimony is a story of where you came from and where God has brought you now. A testimony is not for you to glorify yourself. A testimony is your way to glorify God by sharing what He has done in your life. I hope you have a testimony. I hope you could share the story of what Jesus has done for you, of how Jesus has changed your life and how He has brought you from one place to a much better place a place of spiritual death, and now, hopefully, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are in a place of spiritual life. Maybe God has brought you from a place where you were very unuseful or not useful at all to the Lord to now being very used by God. And I would tell you, wherever you are in that process, if you are here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ, if you are, as Ephesians says, dead in your trespasses and sins, if you're spiritually dead this morning, I want you to know there is life in Christ. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior this morning, but you look at your life and you say, I have lots of things wrong. I'm a failure. I mess up over and over again. The life of Peter can encourage you. I want you to know that God has a plan for your life just like he had a plan for Peter's life. And God can use you in a wonderful way to bring Him glory and to bring you great fulfillment in your life if you will follow Him and serve Him. God is perfect. People are imperfect. But God does perfect work in and through imperfect people. Aren't you thankful for that? We're all imperfect this morning. The only perfect one, or as Jesus said, the only one who's good is God. But God can do wonderful things good things through imperfect, weak, failure-prone people. We know that Peter was, had some kind of business. We also know that Peter was married. Peter had a wife. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, he had a mother-in-law. I don't know anybody that ever skipped over the wife part of it just to get the mother-in-law. I mean, I'm thankful for my mother-in-law. But I don't think I would have one without enjoying having a wife. You can go to Matthew 8, 14 or Mark 1, 30, and you can read about Peter's mother-in-law. We also know that Peter had a brother named Andrew. I'm so thankful 
for brothers. Brothers physically and spiritually. Did you know it was Peter's brother, Andrew, that brought Peter to Jesus? You know, you can read about a lot in the Bible about Peter. You don't read very much about Andrew. But we know that Andrew brought his brother to Jesus. You know, if that was the only thing that could be said about you and me, was that we had brought our brother to Jesus, that'd be a wonderful thing, wouldn't it? You think, well, Peter had this larger-than-life ministry. People heard of him. Thousands of people came to Christ later because of his ministry. What about Andrew? If your whole life, all you did was to bring one person to Christ, it'd be worth it all. It'd be worth it. Andrew brought Peter. And you are doing the same ministry as Andrew when you invite your neighbor. When you invite your family member, your co-worker to come to Christ. To come and hear of Jesus. We're going to have an opportunity for that even next Sunday As we have friend day, bring a friend. That's going to be a wonderful time. Bring somebody, a man to the barbecue next Saturday night. Not just to eat good barbecue, but to hear the gospel. So thankful that Andrew brought Peter to Jesus. Peter became one of the kind of the inner circle of disciples. He was one of three, Peter, James, and John of the twelve. He was with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. He was with Jesus in a room when Jesus healed a little girl and brought her back to life. Peter got to hear some things and be a part of things that were very special, very unique. Let's look at the life of Peter this morning and his relationship with Jesus. You're in John chapter 13. Let's read verses 36 through 38. The Bible says, Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, Whither goest thou? Jesus answered him, Whither I go, thou canst not follow me. Thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. I want you to remember that statement. Because if you know anything about the life of Peter, you know that he didn't make good on that promise in the earlier part of his life. We often remember Peter because he denied Christ three times. Freddie read about that for us just a few minutes ago. But you know that statement that Peter made? I'm kind of giving away the end here at the beginning. Did you know that by the end of his life, he did lay down his life for Christ? But see, this is a man who he spoke, he had great devotion, he had great passion But he didn't always understand what it meant to do what he said. He didn't understand what it meant to go and lay down his life for Christ. Look at verse 38. Jesus answered him, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? You see, Peter kind of had it backwards. He didn't understand that before he could lay his life down for Christ, Christ would first lay down his life for Peter. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. Jesus gave his life for Peter. And yes, later, Peter then gave his life for Christ. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies 
of God. What are those mercies that Jesus Christ would die on the cross for our sin, that he would offer to us the free gift of salvation? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Peter came to a place in his life that he understood it was reasonable service for him to give his life for Christ because of what Christ had done in giving his life for Peter. Jesus continues on there in verse 38, Verily, verily, I say unto, you, unto thee, the cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. Peter makes this great statement. He says, I will lay down my life for thy sake. Jesus looks at him and says, before the rooster crows three times, you're going to deny me three times. You know, sometimes it can be a little scary, I think, to follow Christ. But if I follow Him, what's going to happen? If I follow Him, am I really going to succeed? Maybe some of you this morning, you hold back in your service to the Lord because you don't want to make a statement like Peter because you're afraid you might do the very same thing that Peter did. I want you to notice, first of all, this morning, that Jesus knows you better than you know you. Jesus knows you better than you know you. Peter's making this strong declaration of faith and following after Jesus. And Jesus says, no, Peter, no. You're not ready to lay down your life for me. In fact, you will deny me three times. Jesus knows us better than we know ourselves. We don't participate in dying for our salvation. Jesus had to die for us. Peter is saying here, Jesus, you can depend on me. Do you know what his name means? Do you know what Peter's name means? It means rock. Here I am, Lord. I'm, I'm the rock. I'm dependable. You can depend on me. Jesus, I would lay down my life for your sake. It's as if Jesus says back to him, Peter, I didn't come so you could die for me. I came to die for your sin. Sometimes we think we know ourselves better than anyone else. But God knows us better than we know ourselves. God knows your future. You and I don't. But don't we often live so much of our life trying to plan out our future and trying to prepare for something that we think we know is going to happen and so we, we, we live our life in a certain way just to align ourselves with the future that we think we ought to have instead of I think we ought to think about it differently. Say, Lord, you know me better than I know myself. Father, not my will, but thine be done. That was the prayer that Jesus prayed. Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do or as Isaiah said, here am I, Lord, send me. But we live so much in control trying to dictate what our outcomes are going to be. Folks, we don't get to dictate the outcomes. God is in charge of the outcomes. We only get to decide what we're going to do in this moment with what God has given us right now. Peter starts out as a man full of passion but we'll see secondly this morning that Peter failed Jesus. 
Jesus told him, you're going to deny me three times. You would have think Peter would make note of that. All right, if it's going to be when the rooster crows, that's in the morning. So if I deny Jesus one time, I better back off because I don't want to do it over and over again. That wasn't Peter. Turn over it with me, if you will, back to John chapter 18. John chapter 18, just a few pages over in your Bible, because we're going to see what happens here with Peter. Freddie read these verses to us a few minutes ago. Verse 15 of John 18, And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. That disciple was known unto the high priest and went in with Jesus into the palace of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door without. So you have two disciples following Jesus from the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember, Peter's just chopped off the ear of the high priest's servant, and they're following him to his trial. The other disciple goes in because he was known to the high priest. Peter stays outside. It says in verse 16, But Peter stood at the door without, then went out that other disciple, which was known unto the high priest, and spake unto her that kept the door and brought in Peter. So the disciple has gone in. He comes out. He says, Hey, Peter's with me. He can come in too. And then says the damsel, this is the girl that's keeping the door there. Then said the damsel that kept the door unto Peter, Art not thou also one of this man's disciples? Didn't I see you? Aren't you one of his followers? He saith, I am not. And the servants and officers stood there who had made a fire of coals, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves, and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. Peter failed Jesus. Jesus had a wonderful relationship with Peter. They had a lot of communication back and forth. We read of that as Peter would make a statement and Jesus would answer him back and forth. We serve a God who is a relational God. A God who cares about a personal relationship, not just a God who says, here's the rules. If you don't follow them, I'm going to judge you. No, we serve a God who says, I, I want to have a personal relationship with you. Yes, you fail. Yes, Peter failed. But that wasn't the end of Peter. You know, relationships take work. Relationships sometimes experience failure, but they can also experience restoration. I'm thankful for the spiritual relationship I have with my Lord. Thankful for the opportunity that I have to read His Word and study it and spend time in prayer. God has challenged me much about prayer this year. Being able to open up my prayer journal and and pray through the names of the people in our church, to pray through my family members, to pray for people that are unsaved, to pray for folks. We, we have some on our list even here. I think of one man I've been praying for for a while that another man in our church has been witnessing to. You know, I got a text just this week that he said, my friend is planning to come with me to Friend Day, the one we've been praying for. That's an encouragement. That's an answer to prayer. God is a relational God. Simon and this other disciple were following Jesus. Jesus has been arrested. It's late at night. They go inside. Jesus is standing outside. The servant girl says, aren't you one of Jesus' disciples? Jesus says, or Jesus, Peter says, I'm not. How many of us deny that we know Jesus? Say, well, I've never denied him like Peter did. How many of your friends don't know that you're a Christian? How many of your people that you're around on a, on a daily basis wouldn't know that you're a follower of Christ? 
Do your choices, do your actions, do your words proclaim Christ or do they deny Christ? How many of you don't want others to know that you're a follower of Jesus for fear of what they might say or do? I want you to understand there is a social cost to following Jesus. It's not popular in some crowds to say, I'm a follower of Jesus. Peter there is warming himself by the fire. See, people will often do evil things in the name of of religion. Peter is there by the fire as Jesus is being brought to trial by religious leaders who said, Jesus didn't follow our religion, and so we're going to bring him to trial. Aren't you thankful that God wants to have a relationship with us? You see, religion is is only about rules and not about a relationship. Jesus does have rules, but it's in the context of a relationship. Jesus made the step towards us, right? He's the one who came and died on the cross for our sin so that he could have a personal relationship with us. Within any relationship, there's rules. There's rules that I would follow as a husband because I have that relationship with my wife. But I don't have that relationship with my wife because I follow the rules. I follow the rules because I have the relationship. Do you understand the difference? There are rules that I would follow in my own life as a dad. But it's because I'm a dad that I do those things. We watch that video. It's kind of fun about all the things that dads can't do. But you think about it, dads. You get up early and go to work. Why? Because you want to provide for your family. Say, well, you're following the rules. Why? Because you have the relationship. Maybe on Mother's Day you bought flowers for your mother. Well, I had to. It's just Mother's Day. i got to follow the rules. No. You did it because you have a relationship with your mother. Some people, though, will come to church because they say, i got to follow the rules. That's what Christians are supposed to do. I would say, come to church because you have a relationship with your Heavenly Father. And I want to learn to know Him better, and I want to serve Him better, and I want to worship Him together with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Jesus is being put on trial by religious and government leaders. Jesus, though, is interested in having a personal relationship. See, rules without relationship, parents, pay attention to this, promote rebellion. It's easy to say, do this, don't do this. It's another thing entirely to say, I love you, I care for you, I'm going to help you, I'm going to encourage you. Your children will probably fail you. You may fail God along the way, but we serve a personal God that wants to have a relationship with us. Fathers, have a personal relationship with your children. It may not always be exactly how you want it to be. That's how relationships work. Love them in spite of their faults and failures because you have a heavenly Father that loves you in spite of all of your faults and failures. Peter's there standing at the gate. He's warming himself by the fire. He denies Christ to this damsel at the gate. 
In a moment, we'll read the verses where he denies Christ to the other people who are standing there at the gate with him. But before we are too hard on Peter, I want you to notice some positive things about him. Even though he followed Jesus at a distance, at least he was following him. Where were the rest of the disciples? There was Peter and one other disciple following Jesus. The rest of them, after the Garden of Gethsemane, evidently they just cut and ran. They, they were gone. They were nowhere to be found. We know where Judas was. But where were the others? Where were the other nine? There's nine missing. Folks, I think we live in a world today where a lot of Christians would be in that nine. We say, well, I'd, you know, Peter, boy, he's a mess. I want to be better than Peter. Let's at least get to Peter level, maybe. So many people say, well, I'm a Christian, but there's no following at all. Even though he followed Jesus at a distance, at least he followed him. At least Peter wanted to be close. He didn't have enough courage and enough faith maybe to say the right thing in the moment and stand up for Christ, but at least he was trying. Peter is brave enough to be there. He's braver than most. I mean, he went to the court. Peter tried and failed, but at least he tried. At least he tried. Folks, I would encourage you, put some effort into following Christ. Yes, when you put effort in, you might fail. Many of us are like this. We only do things that we're good at. And if we're not good at it, we just don't do anything at all. Folks, following Christ in a relationship, it takes work to get better at it. You know, the day I married Shandy, I wasn't a very good husband yet. Still not a very good husband, but I'm better than I was. Why? It takes work. You're going to fail. You're going to mess up. You're going to work in that. The day that Trevor was born, I wasn't a great dad yet. I felt great. Still not a great dad, but I'm a whole lot better than I was. The day you came to Christ, you weren't a great Christian yet, but hopefully you're a better Christian now than you were that day because it's a relationship. It takes growth. It takes work. Some of you say, well, I'm not a great soul winner, so I can't tell somebody about Jesus. It takes work. Well, I got out there and I didn't know what to say. At least you were out there. Well, I'm dealing with this problem with my kids, and I'm not sure how to deal with it. I don't know how to help them through. Work on it. Time, prayer, love, effort. Peter tried and failed, but at least he tried. See, if you have a little faith, God can work with that. Jesus remains faithful even when we fail. You know, I would say perhaps the success of Christ and the failure of Peter had something to do with the preparation that Jesus went through to come to this point in John 18. Do you remember John 17? We had three messages in John 17 on the prayer of Jesus. What was Jesus praying? He was preparing himself to go to the cross. What was Peter doing while Jesus was preparing himself? Do you remember? He was sleeping. Jesus said to him, Can't you not watch and pray with me just a little while? Wake up! 
Jesus comes back a few minutes later. Peter's back asleep. All the disciples were sleeping. Folks, that's the way we often live our life, isn't it? Well, I don't have enough energy, don't have enough time to do what I need to do to serve Christ, to prepare myself to follow Him. And we wonder why we fail. Jesus prepared Himself. Peter didn't. But God wants to hear from us. Through prayer, Jesus was preparing Himself through sleeping. Peter was not preparing. Folks, it's going to take effort to prepare yourself to follow Christ. It takes effort to prepare yourself to share the gospel with somebody else. It takes effort to be a good parent. It takes effort to be a good spouse. It takes effort to be part of a church that's growing and where God is blessing. It takes work and you will fail. You will mess up. We all do. But we serve a perfect God who loves to work through imperfect people. Keep reading in John chapter 18, go down to verse 25 to 27. And Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. They said, therefore, unto him, Art not thou also one of his disciples? He denied it and said, I am not. Look at this, verse 26. One of the servants of the high priest, being his kinsman, whose ear Peter cut off. Okay, Remember whose ear Peter cut off? It was a guy by the name of Malchus. He was the high priest's servant. They come out to the garden to arrest Jesus. Peter pulls out his sword. All right, Lord, I'm ready. Against all 600 or however many soldiers were there. And he chops off the high priest's servant's ear. Jesus picks the ear off the ground and heals the man, puts it right back. This is this man's kinsman, his relative. And he says to Peter, did not I see thee in the garden with him? This man was there. He was in the garden. He watched his brother, cousin, his relative's ear be chopped off. You think he's going to remember that guy? I think so. But Peter here, well, he's adamant now. He then denied again. And immediately, the cock crew. I want to remind you, though, this morning, before the Bible is binoculars, it is a mirror. Before we look at everybody else, say, yeah, that was Peter's problem and Judas's problem and, you know, that's brother so-and-so's problem on the other side of the church. Let's let it be a mirror and examine our own lives. Before we use it to look at everybody else and look at their problems, let's look at ours. Peter had a problem. He blew it. He sinned over and over, denied Christ three times. I would ask you this, what sin has gotten easier for you because you've done it a few times? Sin gets easier the more times you do it. Here's another question to consider. At what cost do you stop following Jesus? Well, I follow Him at church. Do you follow Him at home, if we were to come to your house this week, would how you represent yourself as a follower of Christ here, would that be the same way you represent yourself at your home, with your wife, with your family, with your children? Well, but I'm tired. I worked a long day. Don't start denying Christ. If we were to go to work with you, 
Would you have a testimony at work of what Christ has done in your life? Or would they think, no, he's, he's just like the rest of us. She's no different than I am. At what cost do you stop following Jesus? Often people will follow Christ to a point, but then, well, that's just too much sacrifice. I can't go that far. I quoted the verse already in Romans 12, 1 about giving our lives, our bodies as a living sacrifice. What part of sacrifice gets to be held back? It's an all or nothing proposition. See, this is where Peter was. He was a believer. He believed in Jesus, but he struggled when it came to following Jesus. He followed Jesus up to a point. And then when people began to question him, he thought, well, something might happen. They, they might arrest me too. He held up. But not to be too hard on Peter. I think all of us would have gone through the exact same thing. But I want to encourage you this morning by the testimony of Peter. This is the testimony of a man that faced some really difficult spiritual challenges, but God worked in his life and continued to change him and to continue to grow him so that he did great things for the Lord. This past week, we were encouraged and challenged by a number of people. I got to have lunch with an elderly missionary. He's 86 years old. Lord willing and health-wise, if his health is good, he'll be with us in January at our missions conference. Well, I was encouraged by him. This man went over to Japan back in the late 40s, early 50s to serve the Lord. God used him. God used him in a tremendous way over there. He was sharing with me how they had opportunities to lead people to Christ, how churches were established and God blessed. Another missionary that worked with him there in Japan told me that today, 50 years, 50 some years later, so I guess he went in the 60s, let me get my math right, that they've seen 98 churches started there in Japan. Isn't that exciting? He said, well, this isn't a testimony to what we did, it's a testimony to what God did through us. Can you imagine, though, being an American citizen and going to the country of Japan just a few years after World War II? I'm too far removed from that to know what that must have been like culturally. But I can imagine that wasn't an easy thing. These were the men in the army that had flown over and bombed Hawaii at Pearl Harbor. This was the country that had fought and killed thousands and thousands of our troops on the islands of Iwo Jima. There in the ocean there, you think of the other island, Guadalcanal, the various Navy battleships and wars and all kinds of things that went on. It was an awful war. And then just some 15, 20 years later to pack up and move your family to that country. Why? Because they wanted to share with them the love of Jesus. I'm sure there was a cost. There were probably some people saying, you know, there's a lot of other places in the world that you could go to tell people about Jesus. Why would you go to Japan? 
Folks, at what cost do you stop following Jesus? Well, they didn't want to hear what I had to say. They, they, they made fun of me. They, they said some things I didn't like. They, I, I, I'm losing out on some opportunities that I'd like to have. You may be a believer this morning, but struggling when it comes to following Him as you should because you don't want to bear the cost. Here's a third question to think about. What does the fear of man look like for you? Peter was afraid of what those men would think and of what that young lady would think there at the gate. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, 25, the fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso trusteth in the Lord shall be safe. Folks, this is a reality. I'm not preaching to you as much as I'm preaching to myself this morning. These are not easy things to say and think about. I'm not standing up here as one who has conquered all of this and who's out in front saying, yep, I've got it figured out. I have no fear. I'm following Christ. I'm not one who's saying, I've got it all figured out. Come along with me and we'll make it together. No, I'm saying we need Christ. We are all failures. We're all full of fear. But I want to challenge our hearts this morning. God wants to do something with this church. God is doing something in your heart, in your life. God is doing a work. Let's be faithful followers of Him. Don't let the fear of what others might say or think or do keep us from following after Christ. Peter failed Jesus again. Do you live by faith or by fear? Peter, he's following Jesus until the people begin to question and then he stops. He didn't pray when Jesus asked him to. He failed Jesus. Judas failed Jesus and never came back. But Peter denied Jesus. And then he tried to come back. We will all mess up. The difference is, how do you respond when you do wrong? I want you to turn over just a couple more chapters. John chapter 20. We're studying here the life of Peter and his testimony of God at work in his life. Verse 3 and 4, Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple, and they came to the sepulcher. So Jesus has died. He's been buried. Peter's ready to return to Jesus. He comes to the sepulcher and it says, so they both ran together and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. He wanted to change his relationship with Christ. Think about it. The last time he had been close to Jesus, he had denied him three times. And now, after he hears from Mary Magdalene that Jesus is not there in the tomb anymore, Peter and John, they go running to see him. Folks, here's a man who, even though he failed even though he did exactly what Christ had told him he would do, deny him three times, he's now running back to Jesus. I want to encourage you this morning, if you failed him, run 
to Jesus. You know, he ran as hard as he could, but he was a little bit of an old man, and he wasn't the fastest guy. So even John beat him, but he was still on his way back to Jesus. Folks, if you don't want to change in your walk with Christ, I can't help you. But if you want to run to Jesus, He'll work with you. He'll help you. Peter wanted to return to Jesus. And then if you go over to John chapter 21, because in that moment he, he didn't get to Jesus right then. He got there and the tomb was empty. But in John chapter 21, verse number 7, the Bible says, Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. So notice this, he runs to Jesus, he doesn't see him that time. Then he says, you know what? We're just going to go back to fishing. And you know, he goes back to the Sea of Galilee. If you know the geography of the area, that's some 80 miles away. It's a long ways, especially when you think of traveling by foot. From where they were at Jerusalem. He now goes all the way back to the Sea of Galilee. I'm just going to go back to what I know. I've seen many Christians like this. There was a time when they followed Christ and something happened, some major thing, maybe a failure, a struggle, a sin in their life. They got away from the Lord. I'm just going to go back to what I know. This was a man who wanted to come back to Jesus. He doesn't see him in this moment. He goes back and he goes fishing while he's fishing. Jesus comes back for Peter. Those disciples are out there in the boat. They're fishing and they look to the shoreline and they see Jesus. Jesus came 80 miles looking for Peter because we serve a Lord who wants to have a personal relationship with every one of his children. You know, Peter, Jesus could have said, well, this guy, I'm done with him. He's denied me three times. Where is he now? He's back on his fishing boat. What's wrong with Peter? The Lord comes back looking for him. I want to encourage you, some of you, many people in our church involved in one-on-one -on -one discipleship relationships with other people in our church. Some of the people that some of you are discipling aren't here this morning. They might be sick. They might be working. They might be out of town may have other things going on in their life. Don't give up on anybody. Love them. Encourage them. Go after them. Jesus went after Peter. Jesus wanted that relationship restored. You keep reading in the passage, they look, they see Jesus there. He said, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked. He's fishing in his boat. He's just out in the boat. And he did cast himself into the sea. It's kind of a funny picture. I get it. He's out there fishing in his boat. Oh, I'm not dressed properly to see the Lord. He, he puts his coat on. And so Peter, boy, he's passionate. Instead of waiting for the boat to get in, he just jumps in fully clothed into the water. He's just so excited. I love this excitement of Peter, though. I love, he said, I just want to be with the Lord. He wanted that relationship 
restored. Oh, that we would have some people excited to be with Jesus, excited to walk with him, excited to have a personal relationship with him. It says in verse 8, and the other disciples came in a little ship. They were not far from land, but as it were, 200 cubits. They're just a short distance out. Peter said, I can't wait to get that boat there. I'm just going to swim in. The rest of the disciples, they're probably like you and me. They're a little more reserved. They come riding in the boat. Folks, if you see somebody that's really excited about being with Jesus and they do some things, you say, that's a little off. Let them run after Jesus. That's okay. You encourage them. You encourage them. Love them. Say, this person just a little too excited for me. They seem like a bit of a fanatic. Well, I think Peter was. That's okay. Praise the Lord for some fanatics who are excited about getting to Jesus. And maybe the rest of us might be encouraged a little by Peter. So here they come, dragging the net with fishes. As soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there. And fish laid thereon and bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon went up, drew the net to land full of great fishes, and hundred Fifty and three. So why do we need to know how many fish they caught? Well, I guess the Lord wanted us to know they caught a lot of fish that night. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. The Lord's taking care of them. Isn't it neat? God blesses you even in your day-to-day work. There's out there fishing. God took care of his nets. God filled that net full of fish. I think it's interesting he counted how many fish because that's how we are sometimes. Look how much money I made today. Look what I did. No, all 153 of those fish, God made every single one of them swim into that net. The fact that the nets didn't break, that was the Lord. We often miss that, don't we? We miss giving glory to God because look at what I did. Nope, the Lord's taking care of them. And then it says, Jesus saith unto him, verse 12, come and dine. Relationships often are strengthened and built around meals, aren't they? Jesus here is offering a meal. And none of the disciples durst ask him, who art thou? Knowing that it was the Lord. It's almost as if they're a little nervous. Yeah. When Jesus was arrested, we were nowhere to be found. When the crucifixion happened, we weren't at the foot of the cross. John was. Rest of them, elsewhere. They go and hide up in the upper room. Then when it's all over, they just go fishing again. Isn't that how a lot of Christians are? I'll follow Jesus when it's exciting and good and Jesus is feeding the thousands and Jesus is healing people and Jesus is doing great things and the church is being blessed and God's doing great things that we can see visibly. But oh, when things get a little tough, you can find me at the fishing hole. I'm going to go back and go find something easier because following Jesus is too hard. But Jesus, he doesn't just say, well, those worthless guys... No, he comes down and he makes them breakfast. He's got a little fire going. It's interesting. Where did Peter deny Christ? At a fire. 
He's got fish on the fire. He's come to Galilee where Peter was fishing. Jesus loved Peter. I want to challenge you with this thought. Your relationship with God is secure. Not because of what you do, but because of what God has done for you. So many times we're trying to find security. Well, I did this and I did this and I did this, so therefore God has to do this for me. No, your relationship with God is secure, not based on what you've done for Him, but based on what He's done for you. That's why we pursue after people here at our church, at Arise Baptist Church. We want everybody to know what it's like to have a personal relationship with a loving Heavenly Father. Folks, don't get so busy. Don't get so caught up. Don't get so distracted with everything else going on in your life. You forget about that relationship. It's the most important thing. Jesus went 80 miles to go get Peter. How far did Jesus go to get you? How far would you be willing to go to bring someone else to Jesus? Sometimes we wouldn't even be willing to walk out our front door. Well, too many other things. The cost is too high. I'm not sure what people say. See, Jesus is working on this relationship with Peter. I want you to notice here, verses 15 through 17 of John 21, that Jesus did not fail Peter. Look at verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? There's a question, what, what was he gesturing to? What, what was he referring to more than these? Was it the 153 fish that he'd caught? He said, I'm going to make you a fisher of man, and here you are, Peter. 153 fish, great. Do you love me more than these? Was he referring to the other disciples who were there? These guys, hey, you're with them. Why aren't you with me? I would tell you this. If we love anything more than we love Jesus, our priorities are out of line. Lovest thou me more than these? Here's Peter's response. He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. You see, love is not just about what you say, it's about what you do. Peter had said a lot of things. Lord, I'm going to do this. I'm going to follow you. Here I am. Lord, send me. Lord, I'm here at church. Lord, I want to be used by you. The Lord says, okay, feed my lambs. He saith unto him the second time, verse 16, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? I think it's interesting that he used his old name, Simon. So I thought his name had been changed to Peter. Do you think maybe he's trying to remind Peter? Peter, here's where you came from. I found you at Simon. Change your name to Peter. Peter, you were lost and now you know Christ. You were dead and now you're alive. Where did Christ find you? 
And where has he brought you to? Sometimes he has to remind us, though, about where we've come from. Because we get so comfortable in where we're at that we forget where Christ has brought us from and what he's brought us to and where he wants us to go from here. Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love me. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Lord, why are you repeating yourself? Well, he doesn't just do it two times. He does it a third. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? We see the change really happening in Peter's heart. I think the first couple times, Peter's just saying, Yeah, Lord, thou knowest to love me. But here, all of a sudden, there's a change. Do you notice it here in this verse? Peter was grieved. He was answering quickly, perhaps. I, I don't know the speed of the conversation, but clearly God wanted us to understand at this point on the third time, Peter is grieved. He was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he saith unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Again, I, I don't know what all was going through Peter's mind, but he says, thou knowest all things. God knows all things. He knows your past. He knows your present. He knows your future. He knew all of Peter's faults, all of Peter's failures, all of Peter's denials. I think Peter's acknowledging that. Folks, some of you this morning probably need to come to Christ and say, Lord, you know all things. I'm done hiding it. I'm done acting like it didn't really happen to me. I'm done acting like I've got it all together and everything's perfect. And I need to come to the place, Lord, thou knowest all things. Lord, I haven't been doing for you what I ought to do. Lord, I have denied you when I shouldn't. Lord, I am harboring sin in my heart. Lord, I haven't followed you like I should. I've talked a big game, but what I've done hasn't shown it. Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. He repeats this three times, I would say, as a reminder to Peter who had denied him three times. Every sin we commit is because in that moment we choose to love something else more than we love Jesus. All of our problems ultimately are relational problems. Well, I know marriage problems, family problems. It all comes down to our relationship with God. I had a conversation with somebody just this past week. They said, well, I know we wouldn't agree on all these other things, right? There's a relational problem. I said, that's why we've got to put God number one. And when God is, is the priority, following Him, having the right relationship with God is right, all these human relationships will be what God wants them to be. 
And even if someone else doesn't respond the way I want them to respond, or they're rude to me or mean to me, or they take something from me that I think I ought to have, I'm okay because my relationship with God can carry me through all of that. God can fix your marriage problems. God can fix your problems and struggles that you're having at work. So I just want God to remove me from all these problems. No, God wants you to get closer to Him. And God may not take you out of the problem, but He promised that He would be with you through it. See, all of our problems are ultimately relational problems. Thankful for a church where people are encouraging one another. But folks, I would say we can't do it enough. Notice, though, in the end, Peter did not fail Jesus. We started a man who made big claims and failed over and over, but in the end, Peter did not fail Jesus. Look at verse 18 and 19 of John 21. Here's Jesus' response to Peter. After Peter has said three times, Thou knowest that I love thee. Verse 18, verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. Peter, you did whatever you wanted to when you were young. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he signifying by what death He should glorify God. He's not talking about Jesus' death. He's talking about Peter's death. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. In verse 18 and 19, we get a little glimpse into what it truly means to follow Christ. It's coming to the place, as Peter eventually did, where he said, Lord, I'll give my life for you. He said that in the beginning, but now he finally means it. And now is when Jesus comes to him and he says, follow me. Folks, there's a tremendous amount of commitment here in this conversation between Peter and Jesus. Kind of like perhaps maybe when you get married and you look at your bride and you say, I love you. And then, you know, she looks back at us and says, I love you too. I make promises to each other till death do us part, all those things. You know what it is. It's one thing to say that in the moment. It's another thing when it really is in sickness and when it is for poor and when it is the bad days and not the good days. And people say, well, how did you get there? It's work. And not everybody does. People fail. But God forgives. And you may have failed Christ. You say, well, I I wasn't ready for the commitment. But I do want to follow Him. I want to challenge you this morning. Take the next step to follow Christ. I mean, Peter, what a guy. What a man who had a tremendous walk of growth, little by little. Jesus takes broken people, weak people, failure-prone people. 
He can use you too if you'll turn to Him. Your greatest ministry could come out of your greatest failure. Over in Luke 22, the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Did Peter later strengthen his brethren? Think of the life of Peter. I mean, when we, some of the early notes about him, we read of a man who's in a boat being tossed about by a storm and he looks out and he sees Jesus walking on the water. There was only one disciple that got out of the boat that day. That was Peter. He stepped out of the boat and he began to walk on the water as long as his eyes were on Jesus. But he looked down at the waves and immediately began to sink. He cried out to the Lord and the Lord saved him and brought him into the boat. Later, Peter makes a declaration, Lord, I'll follow you even to the death. And then he denies him three times. Then after Jesus arises from the dead, but they haven't seen him for a short time, Peter goes back fishing. And the Lord comes after him. He makes him a fire and, and some fish and bread on the coals. He says to him three times, Lovest thou me more than these? Peter says, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that thou love me. Jesus says to Peter, Follow me. You keep reading. If you just kept turning over in your Bible, you're in the book of John. We won't turn for sake of time, but you ought to go and read the first couple chapters of the book of Acts. Because Peter is then present there with the other disciples as the Holy Spirit comes down and fills them with His power. And then Peter steps out in Jerusalem on that great day of Pentecost and he preaches the gospel. The Bible says, 3,000 souls came to Christ. Do you think maybe that was somewhat an answer to the prayer that Jesus prayed there in the book of Luke when he says, When thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Don't live wallowing around in your past failures. Run to Christ and let Him take you failures and mess and everything else and use you to strengthen others around you. He'll strengthen you so then you can go and strengthen others as well. Follow me. Folks, this is not an easy message though. You say, Peter went through a lot. Yes, he did. But aren't you looking forward to seeing Peter someday in heaven? Folks, this life is a vapor. James says it appears for a little time and then vanishes away. I want you to know only what's done for Christ will last. Don't spend your life doing things that don't have eternal significance. Use the earthly things that God has given you, the tools, the talents, the time, the treasure. Use those to bring glory to God doesn't mean you don't work a job. It doesn't mean you don't take care of your family. But it means, as 1 Corinthians says, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Take what God has given you. Say, God, how can I use it for you? 
See, God's not calling us into some sort of strange cultic behavior. Just, I got to follow this rule, I got to do this, and I got to do this, and I got to dress this way, and I got to talk this way. No, I, I'm doing things because I have a relationship with Him, because I want to identify with Him. I want people to know that I'm a Christian, I want people to know I'm a follower of Him. I tell people about the Lord because I love people, and I love what Christ has done for me. That's why I can love people. And I know people may not like it, people may disagree, people may get upset, people may say some unkind things, but folks, God loved them too. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus prays for you just like he prayed for Peter. Jesus loves you as he loved Peter Jesus pursues after you as he pursued Peter. Jesus forgives you as he forgave Peter. And Jesus commissions you to go as he commissioned Peter to go and share the good news of Christ. Why would God use a guy like this? Because God does perfect work through imperfect people. But it's people who say, Lord... What I have is yours. As we read the testimony of Peter, we see the story of a life in progress. But we don't see a man that ever came to perfection. If you kept reading in the book of Acts, in fact, you'll find a place later. Peter's already preached thousands of souls to come to Christ. And then Peter struggles with some racism. Like, Peter? See, what had happened was some Gentiles were coming to Christ, and Peter didn't like that at first. He tried to start putting some rules on him and doing some things that God hadn't commanded. What? Peter messed up again? Yeah. And you will too. But stay faithful to follow him. And let God use you. And you know what? Peter got straightened out on that issue. God worked through him. God continued to use him. Peter walked by faith and in God's power. Later, they arrested him. He went to jail for Jesus. You know, Peter also wrote two books of the Bible, First and Second Peter. Are those books perfect? Yes. Because God had him write down exactly what he wanted him to write. Is Peter perfect? No. God can use imperfect people to do his perfect work. In the end, when they arrested Peter, the history books tell us they tried to get him to deny Christ again. Peter wouldn't do it. In fact, he said, if you're going to crucify me, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Lord and Savior. And the history books tell us they crucified him upside down. It's as if Peter said, I denied him three times but now I'm a follower. Now I'm a follower of Jesus. And I want everybody to know I've failed. I don't want to bring glory to myself. Peter didn't want to bring glory to himself. He wanted to point all the glory to his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You can look at the life of Peter and I think you come away not saying, wow, what an amazing man. You ought to come away saying, 
What an incredible God we serve. What a wonderful Savior is Jesus, my Jesus. What a wonderful Savior is Jesus, my Lord. Is He your Savior? Is He your Lord? Are you following Him? What do you need to give to the Lord this morning that you've been holding back with? What cost is too much for you to pay for Christ? What does the fear of man look like for you? How far do you go before something causes you to stop? Whatever it is, this morning when we stand in just a minute, I would ask you to come and pray and give it to the Lord. Praise the Lord for rain. We need that, don't we? God takes care of us. Let's be faithful to follow Him. Would you stand with me for prayer? The pianist is going to come and play. I'm going to pray. When I say amen, you come and give it to the Lord. Follow Him. Say, God, I want to follow you. God, forgive me for where I've held back. Lord, we love you. Thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. Be with this invitation time now. In Jesus' name, amen. You come as the piano plays.